guys. What's up? Hello. I am here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is uh, welcome to uh, to Docpod. Uh, this is a, a, a very very special episode that we're recording here. Yes, we have a filmmaker here to interview. Filmmaker and man about town, cool dude. Um, all of the above. Someone who's neat. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Sean Patrick O'Brien. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing, doing good. Trying to mm. trying to stay uh, safe and inside. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's all we can do right now, right? Yeah. yeah man. Yeah. Um, let's see. So Sean actually just directed a film that premiered. On nobudge.com, we'll link to all the uh, really important uh, linky dinks on Twitter or in the episode description. Um, but he directed a really cool um, movie called Introducing Juan Waters, um, which is a, a nonfiction film, uh, kind of a concert film, also kind of an interview piece with the very good. Uruguayan musician named yeah. Sean Waters. He rocks. Um, good music, good time, uh, and really, really um, vital stuff because it's like getting to go to a concert when none of us can go to a fucking concert. True. It felt really good to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can I just get yeah. that out of the way? I, I I bet as soon as COVID happened, you were just like. I, I, yeah. got, well, I, got, I got this concert film in my back pocket. That it's interesting because I didn't look at that like initially. So like what happened essentially was, um, and I I mentioned this like briefly when we were off mic earlier, but like, um, yeah, I was uh, having time where I was commuting into Manhattan five days a week, six days a week if I wanted to do fun things. Five days a week for work. Right. So. Um, Essentially, I had this footage, and I knew I had it. Like I had to edit it, but uh, you know, being that I was working, it was like I had no time to do it. So I would do a little <laughs> bit of it, and I would edit some of the concert footage. And then I was like, okay, I like where this is going, but there's a lot of like technical stuff that I got to figure out. And yeah. finally, um, whether you consider it a blessing or not, um, COVID hit and I finally had time to do it. So it wasn't initially like, oh man, like I got this project and I can't wait to release it. Cause honestly, I didn't even know what was going to be the outcome of it. Even when I had the footage, like I didn't know that it would be like, oh, this is going to premiere on no budget in November. Like it's just, it just kind of all happened at once. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's really fortuitous. It feels, re- it. I mean, it, it's it's good. Obviously, it's very good. Um, but it is also very special, which is a cool thing to see and to feel. Um, obviously, not to harp on the ugly outside world of my garage, but I mean, like things suck, so your film takes on that that sheen as well it's it's really really good thank you really special yeah thank you so much yeah that means a lot no 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 it's it's great um so yeah talk to us uh if you can about what what brought you to the project yeah so um 
I did not know who Juan Waters was, had never heard of him whatsoever. And uh, I went to see Mac DeMarco perform in Central Park, which was not a concert that I was even supposed to go to. Uh, my friend, I think, won tickets or his friend gave him tickets or something. It was a very, like, last-minute thing. And I had seen Mac DeMarco before, actually, like, a bunch of times and really liked him. Um, and I always find that, like, um, I really like when you see, like, a musician that you like and they have an opening act that's maybe, like, chosen by them out, yeah. or they're just, like, buddies or whatever, which was the case of, like, Juan and Mac DeMarco. Like, I think they were roommates at one point as well. Um, but yeah, so I saw Juan perform and, um, I'll say that me and my friends, uh, for anybody that hasn't been to concerts in Central Park, there's like little set up like booths where it's almost like a music, like it's not like a music festival, but there's like little like stands where you could go and get merch and like food and stuff. So me and my friend were actually at, um, a stand for kind bars and so we weren't watching Juan start his opening act and we were getting some free kind bars and all of a sudden we heard Juan's music and we were like, hey, this is pretty cool. And uh, Juan definitely performed more than one song that night, but he mostly did James Brown, which, as you guys know, is like the um, big piece that's in the movie. But like. He mostly did James Brown, I would say, that, like, even after he would, like, finish a song, he would, like, go back to that. Oh, and, um, yeah, so it was just, like, a interesting experience of, like, everybody in the crowd was, like, yeah, this guy's music is really good. But, like, the, nobody really, like, knew who he was. So it was, like, everybody around us was kind of, like, experiencing Juan's music for the first time as well. So, sure. like... Um, some people were like heckling it and then some people were just like really vibing to it and then by the end of it it was just like everybody was singing it together and then I'm pretty sure Juan ended up like coming on stage with his band and Mac DeMarco to like play a song as well so like everybody was like super super happy that like Juan came back and then me and my friend like uh, Peter, yeah, he was like the sound guy on the movie. He ended up being the sound guy, but he was the one that like gave me the tickets to the Mac DeMarco concert. So him and I like left Central Park and we were like looking up this James Brown song and like nothing was coming up. We were like, who the hell is this guy? Like, what is his deal? Like, he was so good, but like, and like the Mac DeMarco concert was great too, but like something about like Juan's performance like stood out with us. And then um, a week later, I flew to Ireland for the first time and I was like still singing the song in the airport to my family who I was with and they were like what like what the hell is this and then it like still stuck with me and I like still kept thinking about this performance and um I just DM'd Juan on Instagram one day and was like hey man like you should release like James Brown, which I don't think he's ever recorded James Brown, like on like a record or something, but I was right. like, you should release it like one day. And he was like, yeah, like we'll do that soon. And I was like, Whoa, like he actually responded. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I still thought about it and, um, months and months passed and it was like probably the, that was like in September. So then the, the following January, uh, me and my friend who saw Juan initially, uh, went to go see him again at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn, and we had a great time. 
And um, one little antidote about that show, which I thought was really, really cool, and it's not something that like happens in the documentary, but it is really fascinating about Juan, is that um, he... So I had to leave the, sh- the show early, the one at Knitting Factory, because I had to catch a train. But apparently, and Juan told me this later, is that they like he had such a fun time and just felt like all the energy of like the audience that he invited them to have breakfast at a bakery the morning after so everybody who was in the audience was able to like go hang out with him at a bakery literally like 9 a.m or like 10 a.m or whatever the next day so i thought that was like amazing to find that out later and i'm like damn i wish that i was there for that but i didn't know about it so uh saw him at knitting factory and then a few weeks later, it was sitting in my office job at the time, and it was like, you know what? Let's make a documentary. And I just DM'd him and asked. And I said, um, "Can I? do you have any upcoming concerts that you I could document? Like, we could do an interview, whatever you want. And he was totally receptive to it. And he gave me his number, and we talked. He's totally down. And we met for dumplings on one of my lunch breaks. And he was like sure let's do it and we just like he ran through what the concert was gonna be because he had like so around the time of that concert was like he was releasing i think the album introducing juan pablo i'm pretty sure that was the one yeah and so the first half of the concert was him performing the entirety of that album and the thing about that album that was really interesting was that he performed it so he went to like, I forgot, it might have been Uruguay, but it could have been somewhere. It's, it's probably somewhere else. I'm sorry. It's like a misquote. But he like traveled and would find musicians along the way and incorporate them on the songs. So th- that's how it has such like a unique sound because he would literally just like see a guy in the street or like see a local musician and say like, we got to get that guy in the album, which is like crazy. Like who does that? That's like so cool. That's, that's like so endemic. Obviously like, I mean, you made a movie about it. That's like so endemic to like folk music and especially Mm -hmm. like Latino American folk music is like the inclusion of, you know, your uncle or, you know, a stranger or somebody who you just like the way they plays and you're all singing these songs that you grew up with. And I mean, Mm -hmm. before seeing, seeing your film uh having been familiar with his music i had told vince when we were when we were seeing that you were releasing this film that we wanted to talk to you about it i told vince i was like dude like i i played this music for you guys at like my birthday party because it's such a good like inclusive like um i don't know it's just so like give there's such a good give and take such a good uh, like exchange of energy and i think you you mentioning all of that goes to Mm -hmm. say like the the thesis of your film feels so in line and so attuned with there being no separation between you and juan or the audience and juan as like an audience and a performer there's no pedestal that he's on at all Mm -hmm. it's so cool because it's like such it's not even an even standing you're not like on the same playing field as him you are like with him Right, yeah, right. It's so cool that you were able to achieve that through. Thank you. <laughs> really, yeah. and I, I use the term informal here as a massive compliment because that's all me and Vince try and do in our filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. Is like try and make things very conversational and to establish a dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's literally what you did, and it's so interesting. Thank it you. immediately <laughs> like elevates what you're doing 
di- differently, and it's clear that that's Juan's whole mo. So it's, yeah, it's so exactly. fucking cool, man. Yeah, yeah I like, mean, I I agree saying that like it is, I guess like because I was able to discover him as an audience member, I feel right. hopeful that the movie like kind of like shows that in a way, even though I'm not like telling the audience that like. Hey, I was one of you. Like I was one of the people in the audience that led me to make this. So I think it's just like there's such like inapproachability about him. And like I'm not saying like telling everybody like everybody reach out to Juan because like that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. I'm just saying like it's you know like the way to document it. I felt was just like I'm not here to like I I just wanted to be like. I was in the audience as well, and I want to show people what I felt. I guess that's in the simplest yeah. terms, you know? Yeah. So. Um, can I ask then, because you've mentioned that you directed and edited and you had your sound guy, um, was there, like, anything else that you did as well? Like, were you camera operating? I wonder, because, you know, going into the documentary format, that's a whole, that's a whole thing. You know, Fred Wiseman directs with his boom pole you know, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. so like, how did you go about doing it? So, um, we shot for two days and one of them was the concert. That was the first day. And initially we had planned on doing, um, just the concert and we realized that, um, so when we arrived to the venue, um, there was, it was crazy hectic. They were already in rehearsal when we got there. So it was Mm -hmm. me and my DP, Donald Clark, who I've worked with like on past projects and stuff, him and I went to college together. And then my other friend, Antronique Gribian, and he was going to do second camera. And then um, my friend, Peter, who I saw the concert with, who was doing sound. And so it was the four of us on a crew. And we were, yeah, it was only supposed to be one day. And we, Juan had told me initially, like, hey, we will walk around the block and do, like, an interview. So I came prepared, like, with my questions and everything. And I was like, okay, good. But when we got to the venue, like I said, it was, like, crazy hectic. Um, Apparently, so I think the venue was exclusively for, like, club nights and, like, drag shows and stuff. So this was the first legitimate concert that they were trying to scramble and put together. Mm. So, um not to say that like drag shows aren't concerts or whatever, but it was like a booked musician coming to perform. It's a completely different setup. Exactly. So, um, yeah. And it was like under, I forgot what what label, but they like booked Juan specifically to be like the first concert and see if they could do concerts here. So, uh, there was a, I don't know, an air of, we're just gonna put on a show and see what happens you know so it was very like crazy and um for example one of the things i'll mention is that uh the stage was just painted black for the first time that day so everybody was walking around and it was sticky and everybody was like trying to perform while they're being like stuck to the stage um, another thing was that they booked, uh, I, I had looked this up actually. I talked about this briefly in the no budge interview and then I like looked it up after, uh, it was WrestleMania that weekend. So they Sweet. had a, uh, luchador dance party and drag show post like literally at 10 30 when Juan's concert was supposed to end, 
which means that prior to the concert, they had um, like a wrestling ring and masks and they were like all hanging all over the venue, which is like fine. And it looked really cool and the lights were really cool, but it definitely threw a wrench in our plans being that our second camera was supposed to be stationed in the sound booth the entire time. So the sound booth was on the, the top of the, uh, at the top of the venue and you have to like climb a ladder to get there. And we were like, that is the perfect wide shot. Cause he's just going to be standing up the, there the entire time. And then our first camera, uh, my friend Donald was supposed to stand on the stage and film the concert, which he ended up doing. So what happened was due to the wrestling ring, the shot was ruined. So we could not see anything from up above. Right. And my friend Andronique, uh, got some of the guys from the venue and he pulled them aside and said pointed and was like, there's a scissor lift just sitting right there. So it was like scissor lift to the ground. And then, but it wasn't like all the way up. So we were like, can we use that? Cause even like without it extending, it was like the perfect length to get like right over the crowd and see like a wide shot of the concert. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we feel so bad that like all this stuff was happening. Like they're really nice and like apologetic, but it definitely like threw a wrench in our plans. But they let us use the scissor lift, and I don't know if that's like allowed to have in the middle of a concert. But uh, <laughs> um, they let us do it, and uh, with no guide operated or whatever, my friend just st- stood up on there and uh, filmed the concert. Um, so yeah, one camera on stage, one camera. Um, on the scissor lift and then the second day we met up with Juan so the concert was filmed in April of 2019 and then the interview was filmed in either July or August and that was just like Juan when you see in the beginning of the movie he gets off a bus that is literally him getting off the bus from performing a show in like Philadelphia or something so that's how he met us like initially like he was like I'm like, I like he had to squeeze us in because he had so many shows during that time. So he was just like, I'm going to get off the bus. We'll do the interview. That's it. So we all met up in Chinatown. We met him at the bus and we walked around. We actually, I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, we went to the Chinatown arcade. Um, We, so yeah. So I wanted, that was a, a, a failure of a little, uh, plan that we did there but it ended up working out because it made a cool little teaser but what happened was um, we walked in Chinatown Arcade and I've been there previously uh, for anybody that I don't know if you guys know but uh, Chinatown Arcade has been there since like arcades were like booming in the 80s they're known for uh, no longer but they used to have a chicken that played tic-tac-toe so it would be like a live chicken that you would go and like verse in tic-tac-toe um, that doesn't happen anymore, clearly, but, uh, it still says it like on their sign outside. And I was like, okay, we have to bring Juan here because I've been there. I used to live in that area and it's just like really neon and like, there's just, it just feels all like old world New York. And I really love that. So I was like, okay, we got to bring him here. And the second we got to the door, there was a sign that said no professional cameras because I'm sure myself and like a million other people were like we need to film something here. And it's like, you yeah. probably got to like book it out for a shoot. So we got there and I just got as much as I could on an iPhone, but it was just, 
in my mind, I thought that I would have Juan like play a song or something there, but it was just like, okay, let's get Juan to play some arcade games and that's it. So that's essentially all we did. He played like Mario Kart for like a few and then uh, we took a little bit of a walk and we went to Doyer Street, which is where we did the interview. And the good thing about Doyer Street is that it's like secluded off from a lot of streets in New York. So it's like not a main street whatsoever. Fun fact about it, it's actually the street with the most murders in New York because it is so secluded. Um, Mm. But uh, that dates back to like, you know, like prohibition, like, you know, like way back when with like gangsters and stuff. But yeah, so uh, very secluded. They film a lot of stuff there. I think like one of the John Wick movies filmed something on that street. But um, I we just sat on a step and I took out my phone and we did the interview and it went pretty well. I, I would say, yeah. Sick. All right. Well, you you've mentioned you know your multiple cameramen and your iPhone. Uh, what else did you shoot this on? Because it looks seamless. It looks completely of like in line. It's really really uniform. Cool. Yeah. No. Uh, I think they were both two Canon cameras. I know I'm coming on a documentary podcast and not having like the exact specifications, but my two um, cameramen would be able to answer that further. And I could get a revision for you guys on that one. The reason why why me and Vince work so well together is because Vince knows all the technical stuff and I don't Mm -hmm. know a fucking thing. So (laughs) it balances out nicely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to answer the question further, I, you know, like this is the first documentary I've done and it's something that like, um, I didn't go to school for documentary filmmaking. I've only mainly done narrative things. So I'm very used to not being the one who's filming it. And Mm -hmm. I know that's like, um, some documentary filmmakers will shoot their own work or some, like you said, like with the boom pole, um, what I felt like at least for the concert sequence is, is that um, my job was to be running around and just making sure everybody was doing like exactly what I wanted them to do. And I was like directing them in that way or like finding a position for the sound person to sit, which is pretty funny. Also is that you can see uh, when the camera's like stationed on stage, if you look very closely, there's like a little stairway and you could see our sound guy, Peter, just like sitting on the stairs, like hitting. It's great. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Wait, how did, because that's the thing I always wonder whenever I watch something with live music, how did he mm-hmm. record sound? So initially, um, so we said uh, that there might have been a way that we would have been able to like, hook it up to their sound system uh, because they were mixing it anyway. Uh, So we were going to do that until um, they were extremely like mismanaged. So we literally just stationed the guy on the stairs on like on the stage, not leading the backstage, but leading to like, you could walk off the stage and he just Mm -hmm. sat on the stage with like a field recorder And, um, I was like, I think that'll sound good. Cause I had heard like footage from like the rehearsal earlier in the day and it sounds great. And then also, um, both camera audios we used as like backup, but we didn't need it because of the field worked. So, yeah, no, I, it's, 
listen, the the technical questions, the bad thing about them is that they're <laughs> annoying and they don't actually matter for anything. 100%. But they're important to know, though, because, you know, yeah. this is a, a no-budget type thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, did you... Can I ask, like, did, was there a budget? Did you end up having to put something forward for the, nothing at all? Fuck all right. No budget Fuck whatsoever. Yes. Literally zero. I'll say, like, um, I like, bought Just them dumplings lunch. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, I, um, yeah, Tokens I'll say that, like, I, uh, we went to, like, a chicken place, like, a fried chicken place before. That's about yeah. it before the concert. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, the crew is just, like, um, my DP, Donald Clark, like he, him and I went to college together. So we've worked together a ton and he has like a ton of equipment that he's always like, Hey, I got this. Hey, I got this. Like he actually keeps asking me like, when are we doing the next doc? When are we going to do the next doc? So, um, yeah, he is very in tune to the equipment and he has all that. So it's not like we have to like rent anything or anything. And, um, our second camera had a camera as well. And then our, yeah, my DP had sound equipment as well. So no, no Sick. budget whatsoever. Truly no budget. Perfect. You know? Yeah. yeah that's, that's how you want it to work out, man. Mm-hmm. That's where the magic happens. You're shooting on anything you have in your vicinity and you're recording sound off of an old lavalier shoved in your shoe or something. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now I guess, um, so you mentioned this is your first doc. Yeah. So you're, you're you're calling it a doc? Do you think it's more of a documentary than it is a concert film? That's getting into semantics, but I am curious as to like how you personally like what 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 do you think it is? I'd say both because I mean it is interesting to think that like so we we did shoot the entire concert, um, so there is sequences that uh, we I only released like one extra song, which was Flight Fourteen, which he initially performed with the Beats, which was another band that he was in. Um, so I do have the entire concert, but, um, these were the songs that I thought were the most engaging in 17 minutes. And I didn't set like a timeline for myself to be like, it's only going to be 17 minutes, but that's just the way it worked out. And that's how I feel like I found the narrative. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's both. I think it's like a hybrid of both because, um, I don't particularly love documentaries that where it's like somebody speaking to the camera, but I almost felt like that was needed with Juan because just he's so fascinating. And like, yes, you do get his character from just watching him perform. And that's how I initially was like exposed to his work. But I feel like, like there's a moment in the film that I like, I feel like having him speak is it's almost like he's giving commentary on his performance in a way. So like one thing I think of is like in the middle of when he's performing James Brown, I like quickly cut away. And I have him saying that like, sometimes he'll go to the concerts and he'll be really calm. Sometimes he'll be jumping around. Yeah. And it's just because he's like a human and sometimes he doesn't feel like jumping around. Um, I, I like that. And I think that that's just like, I don't know, just like it adds to the performance because you're getting to know him as he's speaking. And then another thing, too, would be like um, he says in one scene like, oh, God, he says like I like I cut away from his performance and have him saying like, 
oh, I don't mind when people speak during the show because it creates an environment. So to have Juan saying that in an interview, it's like he's stopping the show and saying like, hey, you are allowed to speak. So I thought that was crucial because he's essentially doing what he's talking about. So to like edit him doing that, I thought was like really fascinating. The 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 way you cut between the interview bits and the concert footage is I think really, really you keyed into something that I, I don't think I certainly not frequently, I think is seen a lot is that you, I mean, obviously you're, you're, the amount of time that you have for the film, like you said, is only 17 minutes, which is perfect. Ideal length. Every movie should be 17 minutes long, but the, the interview bits contextualize the concert just enough. And it provides you with maybe not a complete, um, I'd, I'd walk away from this and say that I maybe don't like, I, I feel Juan. I have yeah. an idea of the essence of who he is. And again, like there's uh, somebody else might have wanted to achieve like you completely knowing Juan top to bottom, which is fine too. That's an approach, but your approach is like, I think much more in line. It's music. It's all feeling intonation. Yeah. Um, and obviously context. You got to know where he's coming from and the mindset that he's in. And you, dude, you ch- you check those boxes so effortlessly. It's 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 um, it's really cool, and it feels really in line with his music. I think I'm repeating myself, but like it it, I don't know. Sometimes concert films feel like it's like a, a different hat, or like they're working mm-hmm. at something different than what the artist is like. Sure, actually trying to accomplish in their music. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned that, that really, really cool quote about what, or excuse me, where Juan says that he, he prefers when people talk during his concerts, or I guess he doesn't mind it because it's like, it's significant, it's indicating a dialogue is happening. Sure. Like you said, it's building an environment. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, this movie was not made in a vacuum. How do you feel about that? I I think me and Vince have kind of run the gamut of feeling, um, in the time that we've been making stuff together, because at certain points you can feel when an audience is talking and you know, something's not working, but then Mm -hmm. there's other screenings where it's completely quiet. And that I think is like, bro, that's like, that's the loudest fucking silence on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I really think that it depends on like what it is because I mean, like I've uh, directed like comedy shorts before and like, of course, you really want to hear that like reaction and like laughter or you even want to hear like sometimes they like to hear people like heckle. Like I'll say that like, for example, uh, one thing I'll say is that like um, when we went to see Juan perform, I didn't say this earlier, um, there were people I mentioned like there was somebody like heckling him a little bit and but it didn't feel like a heckle. It almost felt like people were like along with my friend uh, Peter and I, we were like shouting along with it. Like we were all like getting like engaged in the show. So like, for example, I remember one person shouted back to him, like um, instead of like born in Augusta, Georgia, James Brown, they said like born in New Jersey, Frank Sinatra or something. So yeah, I just, I feel like, um, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I like something like that. I feel like creates an environment. And I'll also say that, um, I, uh, interesting story is that, uh, because of Juan's music, we, 
started talking to the people around us. And it was a couple that my friend Peter uh, realized, I think he lived near them. Um, then I think we ran into the same couple at Knitting Factory. Mm. And then when we were filming the movie, they saw us filming the movie. So it was interesting because it was like uh, we it's similar like what to what Juan was saying was because like the people around us we were speaking to and we were getting to know just because we were all sharing the experience of like hearing the song that he kept performing over and over and over. So yeah, I mean for my work, like I said, um, it really depends on what it is. If it's like a drama and you want everybody to be paying attention or there's like a serious scene you hear like a whisper in the audience. It's like, shut up. Like, what are you doing? But if you know, like I, 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 I mean, not to sound bleak, but I think that's the best thing about showing your work in like a movie theater or something because of course you get to hear an audience, an audience reaction, you know? Yeah. And that's, what's super important. And I think that, um, that's another thing on what, like what I really wanted to focus on in this documentary is like truly showing the audience reaction because you hear them singing along and stuff. And it's like, okay, they know all these words even if you didn't know the song prior, Juan makes you know the song when you listen yeah. to it, whether it's repeating it over and over or audience interaction or what, you know, he like, he really gets to know his audience when they're there. He used to like, uh, he does it a little bit during James Brown, but I remember, uh, he used to like race people during his shows. Like he would like invite them on stage and like run with them and stuff. And like, like literally who does that? Who is like comfortable enough to say, you can come on my stage and have a race with me. Like, it's so good, you know, obligatory, obligatory dudes rock. Obviously (laughs) we have to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, to any girls listening, I'm sorry. Boys rule. And you do in fact drool. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm wondering, uh, did you go into this um, citing any influences in your head? And before you answer, um, feel free to name literally anything, no matter what, because I directed a music video that nobody has seen, basically. And I just knew we were going to shoot it in 4-3. So every night I went to bed watching Mr. Arcaden, the Orson Welles movie, and mm. I Am Cuba. And I was like, this is how I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. And it doesn't look like that. But that mm. was in my head. Uh, yeah. So what, what was uh, going through your head? Yeah, so that's interesting. Like I said, like I usually only work in narrative. I... Uh, I'm a screenwriter. I'll say that. Yeah. Like I've written like screenplays and stuff. Um, so yeah, like seeing Juan, I feel like I was like, okay, I need to make a documentary about this, but I never considered myself a documentary filmmaker. So, um, but now I'm like, wait, that was fun. So let me try it again. Um, but to that point, I would say that like, uh, two of my favorite films are stopping sense. Clearly, I feel like that's an influence. And, um, also DA Panabaker's original cast album cast recording company uh which is the steven sondheim thing and like Mm -hmm. i have seen that because um i love steven sondheim that's like a that's a whole nother podcast episode i could talk about (laughs) that for hours but um 
Yeah. And I just so I'll talk on that in particular, because I feel like if you've seen Stop Making Sense, you just know there's like a similar energy of like how, say, David Byrne performs compared to Juan, where it's just like it's it's wild. That's all I have to say about that. Even Um, the lamps on stage, I was Mm -hmm. thinking of Stop Making Sense as well. Yeah. So that was unintentional. Which is insane <laughs> because when we arrived to, so I had like the only thing that I had seen was like Google image searches of the venue. So mm-hmm. I did not even know what the venue was going to look like when we arrived and the lamps on the stage, I would say they're really unique. Like I've never even seen lamps that are like, I don't know, they're like zigzags almost like it's very, very cool, but I was happy it. to see that. And it provided us with like, way better lighting than we thought we were going to have. So, and then on uh company, I'll say that like, um, yeah, I think that's just an amazing movie. And I love that. Like, um, that is also a short documentary that you feel like you not only are there, but you can see the struggles of a performer after like the longest night of like recording and I find that really fascinating. And then not only that, but I think that uh, where the influences lie in that is that um, there is a narrative and it is told like via fly on the wall. But like the narrative is literally just like the conversations between whether it's like this, the guys in the sound booth or Steven Sondheim and the performer, like you are able to see it as if you were there. And I feel like I tried to do that a little bit um similarly like what you were saying where it was like that's what i wanted it to be like i wanted it to be fly on the wall yeah and then um and you see that like a little bit like you see Juan like talking to the sound booth guy and stuff but because Juan's personality is so large you kind of have to have him sitting down with you and like talking more about it like i had said so um yeah i mean it didn't and I'm glad it didn't replicate exactly what D.A. Panabaker did uh, right. because I'm glad to have like my own style. Um, yeah. But uh, something interesting I'll share is that uh, both uh-huh. Jonathan Demi and D.A. Panabaker are two people that I have seen in person right before they died. Um, Jesus. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, Jonathan Demi, I saw twice at um, once at Metrograph in New York City for us he was moderating a QA for the film's name is escaping me but it starred jason siegel and it was on netflix i don't know why he was the, oh, moder- the discovery yeah yeah exactly yeah, that was me and vince's first sundance movie and i fell asleep really? oh, i took the God. hardest <laughs> nap of my life the most brawling <laughs> yeah nap well, isn't that ever. isn't that that director didn't didn't his so mom charlie mcdowell mm-hmm. yeah yeah his yeah. mom was in um Melvin and Howard and won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. Jonathan Demi was moderating the Q&A. Did he have um, a cool outfit on? Of course he did. Literally God both times I've seen him, he's had like the best outfit. And then the <sighs> second time was at um, Lincoln Center did a screening or a premiere. I think it was a premiere of the Justin Timberlake doc he did, like the last film that he did. Oh, JT so, and the Tennessee kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, uh, he was there for that and I didn't go up to him, but, um, a bunch of people did. Uh, 
I'll say also that uh, Jason Miller, previous guest of your pod, was with me that night. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, DA Pennebaker, I actually saw at um, IFC Center because they showed Company alongside Documentary Now's parody of it. So they had the wow. cast. Yeah, they had the Jeez. cast of Doc Now. So like John Mulaney, Seth Meyers, Richard Kind sitting with DA Pennebaker to talk about it. So I thought that was amazing. And then both when they passed, I was like devastated because I was like, both of them are so good and I had just seen them like, I don't know, a month before or something, you know? Um, yeah. I, I actually don't know if it was a month before, but still, yeah. That and is like, heavy as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Vince just shared him uh, last week meeting Abel Ferrara and Adeli in, in France and <laughs> a, the, the guys fed him uh, ham slices like he was a wiener dog. Um, wow. And I really hope, I really hope, Vince, in all seriousness, you did not just death note Abel Ferrara. No, 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 I I don't have that effect. Yeah, yeah, it's specifically Sean. Um, (laughs) To to that, to that end, um, and and maybe, maybe this, maybe this is something I should have just mentioned to you off pod, but I mean, if you haven't seen uh, Shut Up and Play the Hits yet at the LCD sound system. I haven't, no, no. Do you like LCD sound system? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I figured. Yeah, young, a young cool guy in New York, of course, <laughs> LCD sound system. Um, they key into it, it. It immediately gives me the same feeling. Obviously, James Murphy is hugely influenced by by uh, David Byrne and Talking Heads and stuff. Cool. Um, but that doc does exactly what, or a very similar thing. Excuse me. I think it's of a kind with with what you accomplish in in introducing Juan Waters. Um, obviously that's a feature and you get it's a day in the life of james murphy paired with um the final lcd sound system show at uh, madison square garden awesome Um, he walks you through it he introduces you to basically like the band and what he does and his like modus operandi behind like how he works and stuff yeah um yeah i it's it's a yeah it's cool i think yeah really really, actually that reminds me that you say Madison Square Garden, an influence that I don't know why I didn't think of. And literally, like, I'm wearing a BC Boys hoodie. But Oh, um, no, I'm, you're going to make me cry, man. <laughs> awesome. I fucking no. shot that. It's amazing. Their yeah. concert documentary at Madison Square Garden. Um, I had seen... So, yeah, I love the BC Boys, and I have loved the BC Boys literally, like, my whole life. And um, I had seen that documentary a few years back um, at Brooklyn Academy of Music and Brooklyn Academy of Music. um, When you go there, the clientele is people like me and Jason Miller. Uh, But the cool guys. Sure. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) But um, the people who were seeing that specifically was all the Beastie Boys old fans in New York. So it was a bunch of guys in like leather Beastie Boys jackets and, you know, just like they're true fans. And that was one of the best, like literally best movie screens I've ever had and just went to because it's just like it was so cool to see that like in Brooklyn. Like it's Beastie Boys. So like, you know, um, yeah. And I would say that um, just thinking about it now, like that was an influence as well because they established like such like a raw style because for anybody that doesn't know, like they um, gave the people in the camera like DV cams. Yeah, so they were able to like it. shoot. Yeah. The concert, 
Um, so I feel like with that, they're able to, I don't know, like, it's just like you're seeing it from like all over and like, it looks a little bit messy, but it's kind of incredible. And I also feel like with Juan in particular, I always say that like, like I watched the movie and like, of course, as a filmmaker, I'm like, okay, I don't really like that. I don't really like that. Like technical stuff that maybe I'm the only one that'll notice. And if anybody's watching it, you'll just be like, oh, it's just a movie, like whatever. But I do feel like Juan has like a scrappy, like lo-fi feel to him that 100%. kind of like excuses a little bit of like uh, my my mistakes as a first time documentary filmmaker. So um yeah, I would say that like uh, seeing the Beastie Boys just do that, where they definitely have that atmosphere of like, you know what, fuck it, we're just gonna do it, is something yeah. that um, carried over with making well, the Wandoc. I mean, Juan played in the Beats you mentioned, and the Beats were mm-hmm. a punk band, right? Yes. See, I mean, the, it's the DIY punk aesthetic. You don't have to be wearing like a, a leather coat with spikes in it to just know, like, no, we're gonna fucking do this thing. Mm-hmm, it, it, mm-hmm. And, and and no, it yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. No, it's so it's a very egalitarian method of bringing the artist to the fans, I guess, or the the people that that yeah. No, it, it makes perfect sense that. I didn't even. I remembered you were a Beastie Boys fan, and I don't know. I'm kicking myself right now for not mentioning that. I'm so sorry. No, it's all good. No, no, no. Yeah, no, they are like, yeah, that's that's my band. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. We're a pro Beasties uh, podcast over, <laughs> sure. over this way. Uh, well, uh, I I do have to ask, possibly the the maybe the the last one. Sure. Yeah. If yeah. that's cool. Of course. Vince, unless you unless you had anything you wanted to ask, I was gonna. Um. I'll see what you ask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who is that talking at the beginning of the documentary? That is such a good great, goddamn great question. quote. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the documentary, I mean, obviously, shame on you. Two, you should watch it. Three, I'll let you know because I love you. Uh, it's a dis- It's like a plate over black, and it's a gentleman basically gassing Juan up a little bit and saying, like, Juan is New York. Like, if you're in New York, you know who Juan Waters is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Who, yeah, there is a there's a story about that. So, um, when you're filming a documentary, lots of things are going on. And so, I specifically said, like, okay, like, literally, if you just, like, look at the people that are in the green room of that film, it's, like, they are so unique. Like, you can look at them and be, like, oh my god, these people are, like, the perfect... Like, every single one of them would be a perfect subject for a documentary. Like, not just Mm -hmm. one. Like, each individual person. Like, I just want to know, like, their lives and stuff. So, um, I... Juan had, like, warned me earlier. He was like, hey, like, if I'm staying away from you and being distant, it's just because I'm, like, in the mind of the show. So we didn't really want to, like, overstep our boundaries or anything. But there was a portion where they were waiting to start and waiting to start the concert and everybody was told that um the show was starting at i think 9 30 instead of 8 30 uh except for myself and our film crew so we didn't we didn't realize that doors were at 8 30 or whatever it was and then show was at 9 30 or whatever so we were just kind of like sitting around and i was like you know what maybe we should because i was like trying to stay away from everything but nobody was really rehearsing or anything. It was just like the crowd was finally coming in and I was like, maybe we should get some interviews from, um, people in the green room. So 
we go in the green room and uh i he's like i think he's the drummer he was there okay but also like 25 other people were in this like tiny little green room and every school person Mm. was talking and chat and whatever so um peter who was on sound records the interview and i was like hey man like can we just say a little bit about how you knew one and so he says this and i'm like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." and it's so loud that i literally did not understand a word he was saying and i was like and we were filming it too it wasn't just like an audio recording so he was like looking down into the microphone and i couldn't hear a word he was saying because he was literally speaking directly only into the microphone and then I was like, you know what? I don't think that worked. We we could barely hear him. So I just assumed that what he said was just like, I we're not it's gonna be inaudible, we can't use it on film or whatever. That is the only thing I regret out of the whole entire concert experience. Because discovering that audio clip on my computer, it looked like shit because he was like looking down into the camera in a very dark room but the Mm -hmm. audio was so clear and as you said he said possibly the best thing you could ever open a documentary with so that yeah that is like i I i've i've said this to many close people in my life that when this like film came out is that that is the only thing that i regret is not interviewing every single person in that room and finding out how they knew one because I know just like I, I could just sense that every single person there probably had an interesting as interesting, uh, uh, sorry, probably had an answer that interesting as that. Like it was just like, it's perfect. And on, when I was on location, it's like, I didn't think it was good. I thought it was just going to be like scrapped and we weren't going to use it, but I am really grateful that that was kind of like a happy accident. And I thought that it went bad and then months, if not like a year later, I listened to that on my computer and was just going through sound files and was like, what is this? What is this? And I heard that and I was like, it's great. So, yeah, that's the drummer, I think. I don't know. One of his bandmates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, um, we're, we're real glad that uh, you decided to come over to the documentary world and you clearly used your narrative chops and it's it's worked out. Uh, hope to have you back making more documentaries as well. Um, Thank you. But f- I hope so too. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for now, um, can you talk to us about your like f- distribution festival strategy or whatever? Like, did you have to, I don't know, seeing it, I'm like, oh, is Juan cool with this that you're doing a festival thing? But then also like, are you going to put it out in more places? Um, and how did you find out about No Budge? Yeah, so um, Juan and I coordinated a little bit. And so I, like I said, like most of the editing was done at the very start of like quarantine because I was like, I finally have the time to do this. And it was like, I finished one project. I finished one project. I was like, okay, Juan's next. Like you got to edit it and get it out there. So I had texted him some footage, like him and I would talk back and forth like a little bit. But honestly, it was just like, once it was done, I said, Juan, like, here it is. And I got approval from him. I got approval from his manager. Um, yeah. And then uh, I was submitted it to a ton of film festivals. Uh, I'll be real. I didn't get into, like, 
I didn't get into any of the ones that I submitted it to, except for No Budge, which was probably a very last-minute decision, and not because I didn't want to submit to No Budge. I didn't know about No Budge. Um, my sister told me about No Budge, and I was like, I looked into it, and I was like, this is pretty cool. So I submitted it to it and didn't really know much about it. And then once I was accepted, I learned quite a lot about it and was like, this is an incredible platform. Um, I love that it's like you can go on there and not only watch the film, but like learn more about the filmmaker. Like they have great interviews from all these young talents and stuff. And I, yeah, I mean, it definitely like gave me a boost in the way of like, if you look at some of my old short films on Vimeo, they'll have like not a lot of views and then Juan Waters because it was on no budge is getting like a lot of traction. So, um, I thought that was super, super helpful. just, just to even have them post it on the website and say like, here is the online premiere of the film. Um, because it's great. I'm just happy that a lot of people will see it. You know, I'll mention that like, um, t- I will occasionally like check cause no budge posted it on their YouTube channel as well. I like check the views on that and that has a lot of views as well. And I noticed Good. today, like this morning, uh, somebody commented and they said like, Oh, what's the song at? And they said like 14 minutes in or something. And I was like, I literally love that. And I replied back and was like, Hey, here's the song because, um, it's people like that is my goal. I want people to be able to find his music and be exposed to it even if it is virtually like it, I want people to feel like the concert experience that I felt that day in central park. So if people are able to get into his music from there, like, you know, after we saw his music, me and my friend just started listening to him. So if my film is the reason why you discover his beautiful music, like that makes me so happy. And he's, he's so prolific. There's so much to look through and sort through and a whole bunch of different moods and feelings and stuff. He's such a, a varied, multifaceted performer. Yeah, no, it's a, you're doing a good service in, in bringing, Thank you. bringing attention to that. Yeah, it's, he's, he's the best. I don't know. And if, I don't know. Let's get another uh, 2019 from from Juan. And yeah. A couple albums and an LP in it and stuff. <laughs> so that's what that's what the people want, man. That's I know it it, it, it it genuinely like I am always I'm impressed that um, he there'll be years where he'll release multiple albums and I think that is amazing because he'll just be like, hey, you know what? I have this. I'm just gonna put it out there in the world and I love that. I think that's like so beautiful and i think that like not only is like like you like i always think that like oh if an artist releases like two albums in one year or like if three albums like it's like you automatically assume like oh maybe it was like rushed or whatever but like it's never the case with one it's like every single album has so much thought put into it and they're all good like they're all good Introducing and La Onda de Juan Pablo are like two completely different records, two different yeah. feelings. It's, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, yeah, no, you're you're a hundred percent right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You're hundred percent right. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm like looking up something right now. Oh yeah, so La Onda de Juan Pablo is, I'm pretty sure the album he performed in its entirety. I think I said introducing Juan Pablo before, but just wanted to clarify that. 
<laughs> you said it, and I was like, whoops, that's the one. <laughs> Either way, if you're listening at home and you don't fuck with uh, Juan Waters, you should listen to everything he's made because it's all very good. I agree. Yes. And all very different. Like, every album sounds completely different, which is amazing. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, Vinny Boy, do you got anything else? That That does it for me. That does it for me, too. Sean, thank you so thank much. Thank you for coming on yeah of course this is fun yeah talking about a movie uh if you if you if you want to come on here and show and tell a documentary that you love or 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 want to talk about you got a home with us man cool for sure i'd love to yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right uh you can follow uh sean sean where can people check out more of your work you're a good letterboxed follow as well yeah, you could follow me on Letterbox. I think that's just my name, Sean Patrick O'Brien. I never know my Letterbox profile, I'll say that. But on Twitter, I am at Sean underscore P O'Brien. Um, post any, like, I always post any of my work there. Um, I also have a podcast. Listen to that podcast. It's not documentary filmmaking, but it's called The Seltzer Cast. It's uh, good. Thank Your you. Adam Pally episode is very funny. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we've had people like Adam Pally, but then we also have like my friends. So listen to that. Um, I'm on Instagram, Sean Patrick O'Brien as well. Vimeo, I think, is Sean O'Brien Films. Uh, check out the work there, and also uh, watch Introducing Juan Waters on No Budge. You should. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll yeah. link to all that stuff. Awesome. Yes, all over the place. Cool. Uh, you can follow. Uh, myself and Vincent. You can follow Vince at VP Briscoe. You can follow me at underscore Ruckerish and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Doc Plus Pod. This was a pleasure. We Thanks love so you, much. Sean. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> thank man. you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, bye guys. Yeah, See you soon. Bye. bye.